whatever time of the day you're listening, um, just to coin the esque, um, welcome to um, today's Bobblecast uh, recorded with me, which Mitch, and we've got a special guest on today. Um, for many blues online on Twitter, he will need no introduction whatsoever. But for the purposes of anyone, for somehow you've missed them, um, Roger Armstrong, welcome today. Uh, long overdue coming on the old bobble cast to complete the set of the uh, Everton, Everton Business Matters, lads. Um, welcome to you, mate. Um, you well? I'm uh, well. Um, I'm still kind of seething a bit after last night, but physically I'm fine. Um, I've um, I've had an okay day. I've got a nice cold beer, and uh, you know life could be worse, but Everton could be a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> the, the perfect summary as always, mate. And uh, just in terms of introductions to yourself, um, for, for those obviously that don't know, you, you've got your own po- podcast that's currently on ice, probably like your beer was before you were uh, you popped it open. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I, I started the. I mean, people will hopefully people will will know that I, I did Everton Business Matters for a while with John Blaine and, uh, and 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 the Esk and done some other stuff with the Blue Room and and then I started um, the Blue Half podcast earlier this year and I, I think we did six seven of them um, but I gave it a bit of a break when COVID came along I suppose I furloughed myself or whatever um, and since then I've just been you know watching the footy and trying to keep my head down but that's not really possible when you see the sort of stuff you see last night you know people get quite cross and rightly so because it's Everton plenty to talk about there's plenty to talk about on both sides of the divide whether you're half full or, or whether you're half empty whether you're a panicker or whether you're able to stay calm there's always plenty to chat about that's why there's so many great podcasts like yours around so very happy to join you lads roger if we were to bring out an album we'd have that that comment right in the center at the back roger armstrong said there's many great podcasts like yours that's as good as enough you know we've we, we our pinnacle there to be honest with you <laughs> um so like you say it, it is art at the moment um i'm just seeing it as it's better than cory on the telly I'll be honest with you, and we spoke many times being against Project Restart. People probably yeah. get bored of us talking about it, but it, it is, you know, it's it, it's an inferior product. Um, but, you know, as Blues, like you say, you get drawn in, you still want to see Everton do well, whatever that may look like. Um, and, uh, you know, some of our podcasts, we are trying to draw a bit of content out. And, and you know, at the moment, that's all we can do. Um, what we'll probably start of, of looking at, uh, we've had two games since our lob, that last podcast. One may give us a slight, slight positive, which was the, the Leicester game. Um, I think it's fair to say um, we haven't been a quick starting team for a while, certainly under Marco Silva. It was like pulling teeth for the first half an hour. Uh, but uh, Roger, I'll start with yourself. Obviously, Leicester, we were pretty fast out the, uh, the traps, weren't we, against them? Yeah, we did. I mean, we got a break. I think the first goal was had an element of, of, of fortune to it because I think Schmeichel could have done better, but it was a good move. Uh, fullback uh, Denia down the left pulled it back and Richarlison shot on target. That's all you can do, make the keeper make a save and, and Schmeichel uh, was unable to do so. It, it's funny because we've had, you know, a good performance, I think, against Liverpool and a deserved draw against them and, a, you know, a really professional performance. And then I was quite disappointed with Norwich. You know, I didn't see a lot of motivation on the pitch from the players um, in that. Another good performance against Leicester. I know people will say, 
God, we sat back and we let them come on to us. But certainly the manager got the job done with his substitutions in that game. And then kind of last night, we've dipped back down again. Uh, Leicester was good. Leicester was a good win against a good team. Um, and, and yeah, we got out of the blocks quickly, as you say. That's That's been a rarity. So it was nice to see. Uh, yeah, definitely, mate. And it's, I mean, it is frustrating now looking back at that, thinking what's happened with Spurs. One of the positives you mentioned there, and one of the things we've been critical of, is not changing things in game. Mm. Lee, and I know, I know that we've spoke many times under Marco Silva that we we felt that he wasn't very good in game management wise. Obviously, we changed formations. Well, Ancelotti changed formations. Obviously, that was a big part of the Leicester game, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so, mate. I mean, we said, I mean, you, you take them, you take them wins all day. You know, I don't care how they win as long as they win. But he did. He, he changed it a couple of times, didn't he? Um, brought me in around towards the end and stuff. And like you say, you know, you take them wins all day as long as they win. Uh, and obviously, Mina, Mina uh, you know, it's he's obviously had a bit of a niggle. He was struggling, and we were worried that we were just going to be stuck at the two centre halves. Obviously, he had a brave weight in the background there. But um, I think Mina had a pretty positive performance there. And Obviously, uh, since Moyes, we've we, we, we've been in a position really where I think we've we've been too nice for too long, and we certainly haven't had that kind of shut the door mentality when we need to. Um, some may say it's an Italian mentality, but um, certainly we're not a, a nice side. I'm sick of us being a nice side. I don't know about you, Roger. Well, look, I mean, we, we're too nice from top to bottom. You know, the, 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 the players, the style of play, the attitude, the soft underbelly reflects what goes on at the very top of the organisation. I'm sorry to go back to sort of Everton business matters days, but it's the tone that we set. You know, um, the tone is set of uh, being kind and being charitable and, and, and that's great, but it is totally separate to the attitude that's required on the football pitch. And on the football pitch, you need ruthless winners who will die for the cause, who know how to defend, and you need leaders. And on the pitch at the moment, I'd argue that we haven't got a single one. And that's a real problem. We haven't had a captain. I know Jags was a lovely man and a lovely professional, but he wasn't really a motivator. He wasn't a Roy Keane type figure, dare I say it. He wasn't even a Steven Gerrard figure. And the entire squad lacks that. The only player, I think, with any gumption who seems to give a shit on a regular basis, sadly, went off last night, and that's Mason Holgate. Um, uh, Richarlison does, but I don't think he's a captain. I think he's, you know, more of a maverick-type personality. But the rest of Michael Keane is a lovely boy. You know, people would take him home to meet their mothers. He's a lovely, lovely guy. <laughs> he's not a hard centre-half, you know. He's not mm. John Terry. He's not Tony Adams. Um, and, and yeah, we struggle with that at the back and, and, and I don't know, are they nervous because the goalkeeper might drop it at any moment or let it through his hands or whack it into the stand, you know, keepers set the tone in front and Pickford's unreliable and far too emotional. Mm. Um, and, and if I was playing centre back with Pickford behind me, I, I'd be worried. Well, you've skipped us forwards about five, five levels where we were going to go. And Sorry. It, it's, no, no, it's fantastic. And all them points I've actually got written down here. And funny enough, we were speaking to the uh, the main man at El Pavosa earlier on today. Uh, oh, via, he knows his football. Uh, via WhatsApp. And, and, and that was a very um, 
uh, light discussion that we had, wasn't it, actually, Lee? Um, uh, we were discussing about having players that are consistent and tough and not necessarily glamorous, but, you know, the, the and we'll kind of skip forward onto this and just discuss it at more length. But um, I was suggesting, I, I like a lad called Jared Bowen, who I think, obviously, at West Ham, he's a bit of an ass, and, you know, he gets stuck in and he's consistent and he, he's nasty. Um, and leaves his foot in and all that kind of good stuff. And I think we've got too many players that are five out of ten one week and eight the next week, but probably five out of ten too often. You know, the likes of Awobi, Gilfie, Bernard, Gomez, you know, the list goes on. Um, now, Andy threw it back and say, well, Jared Bowen's probably not Champions League quality. And, and the discussion that was had where I was trying to... Um, my argument was, you know, the likes of Johnny Evans... Darren Fletcher that that, that uh, Sir Alex used to rely on, uh, Barry at City, Milner, Mark Brighton at Leicester. We can probably think of a million examples, but these are all tough, our last players who would get for me. You know, it turn up every week, seven out of tens, uh, and are not afraid to you know to, to give it a lash on the pitch verbally and and also physically. Um, and it probably fits into what you're saying there, Roger. I don't know what your thoughts are on that specifically. Well, I think Gareth Barry is one of the best players we've had in the last 20 years at Everton. I thought he was absolutely magnificent in everything he did, the way he won the ball, the way he distributed the ball. I was lucky enough, very early on in the Martinez era, I got invited to a dinner with him at Aintree Racecourse, and um, I actually sat next to Roberto. Somehow or other, we managed to blag that. And I had a chat with him about lots of stuff, as you would do, you know, because he was the messiah, wasn't he? Supposedly. He was the new manager and everything was fine. And the question I asked him, which I'll always remember, I said to him, who is the best footballer at the club? Because we had Ross at the time, John Stones, and um, Lukaku he had already brought in. And I said, who is the best footballer? And he said, without a shadow of a doubt, that it was Gareth Barry. And Gareth yeah. Barry, you know, he was the heartbeat of that team. You gave him the ball, he'd lay it off and he'd move into space. He was invisible, but he was the absolute life and soul of that of that team and um yeah it's a shame we didn't get him earlier in his career because he knew the dark arts as well as the you know the more creative side of the game uh he was he was brilliant i thought and i don't think we've ever replaced him and i don't think he ever got the bloody armband to be honest he should have had it um i, I thought he was a great player no and totally it, we, we discussed this uh two weeks ago actually did me saying about getting rid of this Marco Silva brought in this uh, thing, didn't he, Mitch? The uh, the team of captains, whatever mm. the fuck that's meant to be like. But um, <laughs> it, it probably sums it up. We've got it, you know. We haven't really got a standout, so let's just give it to a few of them. Yeah. Now, like you say, we, we, there's not enough leaders in the in the team now, is there? Um, like you say, the one we discussed it last week, didn't we? We said probably Holgate is the only one who will be captain material. Um, yeah. What Roger touched on before and. Yeah, again, not enough leaders. We need we need to get a, a few of them in. And one thing's for sure, we have got, I think, someone in charge now who is a leader. Um, and like and you say, that, them, like, can he? well, he, he can attract them, and and quite often, you know, that as we've discussed with Silver, that the side can reflect the manager. Mm. So we hope, you know, that, that you know, we've seen glimpses of it against Leicester, where he can close a game down. Have we got the personnel? Probably not. Has has he brought any of his own players in? Probably not. Um, and this is why sometimes I don't think we should dismiss some of the, you know, some of the allies that are being linked to us. You know, like like to Thiago Silva or someone like that. Short term, mm. maybe that's where the merits lie. 
Now, Spurs, it leads us quite easily onto that, where we just just seemed flat. It was boring. It was it was everything that we shouldn't be about as a club. Um, Lee, we'll start with you. Were you happy with the formation? Were you happy that there were no changes? Um. When I saw the team, team wasn't the, no yeah, when, when I saw the team and he has um the, the way they put the team out, I think they had uh, on the, the team sheet. But did he have Sigurdsson down the left? But when they actually started the game, he was more in the middle, wasn't he? And uh, Davis was down the right. I don't um, know. I couldn't see him. <laughs> yeah, I'll be. Like, it was. He's uh, just a bad night at the office. I think just still tired. Um, just just up at all. Didn't say enough at all. The only lad who did was uh, was gone. I thought when he come on. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, we, another topic that, that we've discussed at length. But you know, the old money can't buy your love. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we spent a lot of money sometimes, and and we will come on to Marcel Brand later on the podcast. Mm. But quite often, you know, it, it's the players that we've either already got at the club or, or some of the young lads coming through that give us the type of character that we're looking for. Now. I've kind of alluded to one name and I'm saving them up especially for Roger because I, I know that you're a massive fan of a, of a man called Gilfie Sigurdsson. <laughs> yeah. Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, if you look at his contributions, he's now had uh, 195 minutes since Project Restart and zero tackles. Yeah. Um, I mean, when, we were talk- when you were talking about characters, about consistency about leaders in an Everton midfield what impact does that have that your most expensive midfielder doesn't make a tackle in 195 minutes I mean Gilfie Sigurdsson is um, a lot of people think he's not trying Um, a lot of people think his his attitude is poor Um, I, I think the stats speak for themselves. I just don't think he's a very good footballer. And I think, I think when he played at Swansea, he was the only good footballer. Um, he went to Spurs and couldn't cut it. And why on earth we signed him in the first place, I don't know. I mean, I've thought about this for a long time. And, and you know, he scored a wonder goal in way in Croatia, didn't he? And he scored a good one against Leicester. Um, but... I thought Gary Neville just had him to a tee last night. Um, he, he, he shits out of tackles all the time. Um, and, and that's not good enough. I, I don't know where he plays. He's not a number 10. He is absolutely not a number 10. He never will be and he never was. He was a bit of a free kick specialist and he was the star man in a bang average to middling Swansea team. Um, he's got no pace. He can't win a tackle and he's hugely overpaid. Um, None of that is his fault that we chose to spend a huge sum of money on him. And I think to an extent we were legged over by Swansea because of a previous problem between our former chief executive and and them, um, which which led also to us getting legged over with Ashley Williams. But um, nevertheless, he's a poor footballer and, and I'm really a huge fan of Carlo Ancelotti and every time he picks Gilfie Sigurdsson I just shake my head in disbelief because I cannot see what he contributes to that 11. He points around, he tells others what to do, he doesn't take responsibility for anything 
Um, and I think he's an absolutely disgraceful role model. Um, uh, I just don't think he should kick another ball for Everton. I couldn't have said it any better myself. The, the Gladys Street on Twitter were asking for a shout-out personally with Guilty Sigurdsson. And I think they echo exactly what you said there, uh, Roger. Um, and uh, oh, therein lies the problem. You know, if, if he's a man that's been bought for a lot of money, quite talented, but can't really lift his finger and can't really run that much, can't really. Is there a certain type of football that Everton should be going for? Now, you look at you, you look at Anthony Gordon, and I'm just going to read some stats out for you. Um, obviously, we, we already know that the guilty Sigurdsson made zero tackles, but Gordon, 45 minutes, um, 25 touches, 10 out of 11 successful passes, which was 91% um, translators. Jules won nine. Um, Jules lost three, but obviously attempted. Interceptions, two. Tackles, one. Shots, two. Crosses, one. Um, added to the fact that since Project Restart, he's created six chances, which is more than any other Everton football player. And considering he, he made his debut against Liverpool, and he only made his, uh, his, his second start you know, the other day, uh, I'd say that that shows us what we should be about in comparison to to waste money away on players that don't really fit the profile of the club. Look, I couldn't agree with you more. The, uh, Gordon... Gordon seemed to care, and, and Gilfie apparently doesn't care anymore. Um, the problem is that Gilfie Sigurdsson is on over £5 million a year, uh, has two years left on his contract, and because of what we paid for him, um, the F produced some numbers today, I think you, you lads saw them too, about uh, the cost of, of players and the cost of a player. I'll try and keep this really, really brief and not ramble on like some of those Everton business matters folks have done in the past. But there's two elements to the price of a player, to the cost of a player, rather. One is their wages and the other is their amortisation. And that's a really a stupid long word. It just means um, you divide the cost of their transfer fee by the number of years of their contract. So Gilfie's uh, nine million a year amortisation, more or less. That's the price we paid, 45 million, I think divided by five years, yeah? Yeah, So yeah. £9 million a year, the profit and loss account of Everton Football Club, and we can only make a certain amount of losses, and we're right up against the limit of that. So Gilfie Sigurdsson, without us paying him a penny in wages, is taking £9 million of profit from the bottom line of the football club every year. Um, and, and, and Overall, when you add in his wages over £5 million a year, that's £14 million. He is the biggest drain on our resources. Um, the next is uh, Yeri Mina, who, on these figures which the ESC shared today, is the highest paid player at the football club, other than Bernard, who came on a free. Bernard's slightly more. But Mina, £6.2 million in wages and £5.7 million in amortisation. That makes nearly £12 million his cost to carry uh, for Yeri Mina. I mean, that's... That's a, that's a big slug of money, um, but Gilfie is even higher than that. And, and God knows, I mean, can he stay for two years? Can the fans stomach any more of Gilfie Sigurdsson? But what do we do? We have his, he's got a contract. He has to be paid his wages. Do we try and do what we did with Schneiderlin, which I believe is make a contribution to his wages? Nice don't pay anything or a modest fee. And, and we pay half his wages because then at least... We're saving five million quid a year, or a portion of five million quid a year, on Sigurdsson. It's just a—it's a very, very difficult situation. But he was given far too big a contract, 
on far too high wages and he's playing really poorly, so nobody wants to buy him. And it's very difficult to get rid of someone like that. It's, it, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? And, uh, obviously, just just as the everyday fan, I know that, that, that obviously you've done the bit of business matters, so it's something that you've delved into for, for a long time, being aware of. Um, I think people are starting to appreciate it a lot more now that, that we are where we are, further down the road. Uh, but, but Lee, um, it, 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 it's hard, isn't it? You know, and you, you hear them cold R facts as a fan. You know, it, it, it really it makes you sick in the stomach almost of, of some of the money that we spent on, on, on some crap, basically. You know, if you look at the likes of Nias and Co. Yeah, it does make sense. It, it opens your eyes and it's stuff that we don't know about. Um, so it's interesting to hear. Um, but he's not the only one who's not performing at the minute. There's, there's loads of them, isn't there? You know, Bernard's not doing much when he's coming on. Davis isn't doing much. Gomez isn't. Awobi's not. There's no. nobody's like he's 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 not the only one. But yeah, but taking that type of money out the club, it, it's no good. Um, but yeah, no, I just think I think just not good enough. The whole midfield last night and and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you look at from this point of view as well, we were massively against project restart, and I'm still not convinced that them players on the pitch are anywhere near where they should be. You know, if I was a team being relegated, I'd be absolutely fucking fuming as a fan because I don't think that you've been given a fair crack at the whip because we're finishing the season under different circumstances than the season started for a lot of reasons. Um, and you know, only just looking at Everton in isolation, you can see some of the players just aren't anywhere near where they should be fitness-wise. That said, you know, as we've discussed, I think the minimum requirement from any Everton midfielder is that you attempt to make challenges. <laughs> you know, really speaking, we deserve the best. You should be making challenges, and 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 we need to bring in a certain level of consistency. Um, I've got faith that Carlo Ancelotti will do it. I'm not going to look massively into the spares fixture because I do think that it, it was a combination of things such as playing a lot of games on the hop. You know, a lot of players looked tired for me, looked leggy, Holgate kind of come off strained as well. I think that was a mixture of... Yeah, Calvert-Lewin looks tired as well. He looks tired. Um, mm. and, and that probably highlights a bigger problem. We'll come on to Marcel Brands and the financial side of things in two seconds. But... Uh, Consistency-wise, we definitely need to bring in more of these seven out of tens. We need more Gareth Barrys in the club. Uh, we need uh, more Stephen Naismiths, who was much maligned, and I'm sure some people would be shaking their heads saying that. But you know, we need these players that can turn up in games. Um, and I think that we've got a bit of a black hole in that centre and midfield. Um, I mean, I, I told I, I always mention that lads at Leeds, that Calvin Phillips. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, not you the don't... biggest, not the biggest name, but he's, he's a cracking little player, him and. Give something to that midfield coming from the you know from the championship and that wouldn't be a bad little plan. Yeah, I mean your issue with that would be would be money, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Roger might be able to expand on this, but um, if we were to spend any money, Roger, do you think it'd be in centre midfield? And and would you look at the likes of Cal- Calvin Phillips or you know obviously Hall uh, the eggs being you know linked with us and Dressa Garner Gay? Where would you be looking from a business point of view? Well, yeah, I mean, I think whatever we believe in terms of Mashiri's wealth and um, Usmanov's involvement, the financials are not great for the football club. 
uh, because of some of these ridiculous costs that we still have to carry if we can't get shot of Richarlison. Uh, sorry, not Richarlison, um, Sigurdsson and others. Um, Nobody's telling our Richarlison. <laughs> Well, I have, to, I have to tell you, I think the only way we can really um, make, make proper signings and start building a proper team in Carlo's image, and I think there are probably anywhere between six and eight vacancies in the first 11, um, I, I think you may have to look at selling some of the prime assets. Um, and, and that is Richie. And um, he may not be a prime asset because he may be Mr. Unreliable, but I think you'd get money for... Um, Pickford, um, you might get a few quid for Bernard, but the area that we need to strengthen in, to me, is the spine of the team, and that's the goalkeeper, centre-back and central midfield. Um, I, I think Calvert-Lewin has saved an awful lot of blushes for Marcel Brands. I'll give you that as the, as the segue into Marcel Brands, because, you know, Moyes Keane hasn't done a whole lot, and I'll just tell you that Moyes Keane is, um, as a drain on resources, um, he's not insignificant in terms of uh, wages and in terms of amortisation too. You know, he's uh, six million a year of amortisation for him and nearly three million quids of wages with four years left on a contract. Um, yeah. You know, that wasn't the best signing I've ever heard of. No, I agree. Lee, I'll send it over to you because you were talking about it earlier on, on, on the Bobbler's uh, group chat. Um, because I know that you'll probably be agreeing with Roger, and I'll probably, I'll probably then, then look to the line somewhere in between. Yeah, no, no, I agree with what Roger says. Um, yeah, I do. I agree with what he says there. It, it was obviously discussed, wasn't it, earlier on? And and obviously we, we were having a, a laugh and a joke about the, you know, the, the goals that he's got and the amount of money, I think. But the, the issue that... that, that, that that he does have is that he was bought for £30 million. Now, again, like Gilby Sigurdsson, that's out of his control. However, um, we are where we are. Um, speaking to, to El Pavote, he, he does feel that the likes of Keane, Awobi, um, Delph might get a bit of bite back off, off Mitch now, but um, he does feel like they should be given another season. Um, and Angelotti has spoken out to say that you know he, he thinks that next season could be a big year for Keane, and as you say, Roger, that it probably has to be in terms of what we're paying and what we expect on the pitch. But he's also a young lad, isn't he? Um, the problem is the fee. Well, the, 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 listen, it's not his it's not his fault that he was singled out, um, but it's a really big gamble. You know, it was a big fee, and. And his wages, and he could well be an investment. But you know, I like a I like a bet on the horses, the football, whatever. And you kind of, you know, if you're Marcel Brands, you need to get a bit of a mixture. And I mean, Keane was a really, really big gamble. Thirty million quid for a nineteen-year-old. Mm. You know, who played what five games for Juventus? Yeah. How many games he played? Not many. I mean, that's a huge sum of money, and. I'm a great believer that, you know, there are football clubs around who I respect completely and utterly. Juve's one, Barcelona, Real Madrid. You know, they do not sell shit players. Sorry, they, they, do, not, they, they do not sell players who they think have the potential, right? Hmm. If you buy a player from Barcelona, they don't tend to go on to great things, you know? 
Barcelona rejects. They reject players for a reason. Real Madrid the same. Juventus, you know, surely if they really saw stuff in Moyes Keane, they would have held on to it. Yeah, they wouldn't and, just let him go. And, you know, whether you take that on to Alex Iwobi, Theo Walcott, Morgan Schneiderlin, and all of the top six rejects and in inverted commas that we've bought over the years and never bloody learnt from, I just think it's really dangerous. And Keane shows potential, but, you know, we're a season in almost. And, and what's he scored? One goal, two yeah. goals? I think he's had one good game, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm. It, it's really poor. I think, um, I get, you know, I think... Could have a little bit longer on the pitch um, when he's coming on because he's coming on like last ten, last fifteen, isn't he? We were saying last night, but you could tell Calvert Lewin was tired. Probably could have come on at last half an hour, but he's not taking his chances when he's coming on. I don't think it's very difficult when you're only getting yeah. ten, twenty. Um, you know whether whether that's. I think perhaps in midfield you can come in and get a feel for the game, especially if you're playing out wide and get 10, 20 minutes and get broken into the team. Mm. But if you're playing centre back or centre forward, um, you know, striker, I think it's quite difficult to come on for ten minutes and get two or three kicks of the ball. Now, if you come on and score the winner, fantastic, you know. Yeah. Uh, and there are players who've been very good at that historically, but for a young kid, you know, let's look at that Norwich game away from home. And what a perfect opportunity to start him. Yeah. Largely unproven, untested, unknown by them. What a perfect opportunity to give him 60 minutes, rest Dom. Um, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it was a big gamble. Yeah. It's like going into the casino with 100 quid and putting 30 of it on, on, on a number at roulette. And fine, if it pays 35 to 1, good luck to you. But... You know, you've lost 30% of your transfer budget if it doesn't come off. Yeah. And I think if, you know, because he's been sort of saying he likes he likes Keane and that Ancelotti, but does he trust him at the minute? Would you trust him to start? It depends on what we're trying to achieve, lads. I mean, it really does. You know, we had, what we got there? Five, six games. Mm. Um, we've played four. Um, you know, what are we trying to achieve in these remaining games? Are we trying to get as many points as, as we, we possibly can? Or are we trying to test and find out players for next season? And really the only player that we haven't seen enough of, I would suggest, consistently starting, is, is Moise Keane. Mm. Uh, how many league games has he started? Less than a handful, I think. Mm. Um, Newcastle's the only one that springs to mind, which, funny enough, he scores. Did he start one at home? Um, it was the Newcastle game, um, oh, and that, that was not not long after Ancelotti took charge as well. Out of the way at West Ham, didn't he? Was it? Yeah, there you go. West Ham. Okay, yeah, well. that's right. yeah. Okay. So I don't I don't quite understand it. You know, it's it's rather like last night. I didn't understand. He brought Sadibi on. Why the hell did he bring Sadibi on? I couldn't I, mean, that. I couldn't work that out. All he did. Uh -huh was let the ball go into touch. I mean, the ball was passed to him somewhere near the halfway line. He lifted his foot to try and control it and it went under his foot and out for a throw-in. Yeah. Like, I, 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 did, I did wonder, was, was, was that a certain admission that maybe he should have started players fresher? And uh, we'll come on to the, you know what we, what we expect to start on Thursday. But um, I think that he began to realise that, that the players were significantly... Um, 
less in fitness and uh, you know in terms of match fitness than he expected. So he tried to freshen it up and just tried to just change it and generally get players in that haven't been playing. And I just uh, you know I think we lost a bit of shape, a bit of impetus. Um, do you know, do you know and, the, the thing was with what I thought? I thought all right, we weren't great, but we were getting our best work down the right. Coleman was yeah. trying, he was trying to get forward and he, he got forward a couple of times. All right, poor crosses, but. I thought that was our best option. We were, we were sort of... Richarlison put him in a couple of times, first half down the right. And, um, yeah, so I couldn't work that one out. Seamus well, is one of those players who will always give 100%, and yeah. I didn't really think his, his legs had gone. I mean, mm. I hear what you're saying about the players were leggy and are they fit enough or are they not? But I tell you what, I watched Spurs away at Sheffield United, and I've got a few mates who are Spurs fans, and I was... Very confident we would beat them. And I was giving them big ones ahead of the game last night because I thought Spurs were shit. And to be fair, Spurs were as shit as I expected them to be. But we were even bloody worse. And and it wasn't a physical game. No one was running around. No one was overly tired because Spurs hadn't put a shift in against Chef U. They didn't really put a shift in against us. You know, Mourinho's teams don't tend to be that. You know, they, they do a lot of, they break up the play a lot. You know, it's not really end-to-end, box-to-box, lung-bursting runs. So I, I I do get the, maybe they were a bit mentally tired, but, you know, physically, mm. I, I didn't see it. I really don't have that as too much of an excuse for, for any of them. But, you know, Holgate went off and the team kind of fell apart. Uh, as well, um you were mentioned there about Mourinho, what you'd expect out of his teams. I think Richardson got nailed about three or four times on the turn. Oh, spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, 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 definitely wasn't a coincidence, you know, nothing's a coincidence with Mourinho. Um, and this comes back to the captain point of view. After the first one, you would have expected the captain to be straight over to the referee, putting that out. What's going on there, ref? Why is that on a book? And it happens again, straight over to the referee again. That's the second time now. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was four, five times, six times. Yeah. And every single time, you know, it, uh, not maybe, maybe one yellow to six or seven challenges. But it was obviously a tactic, you know, for Mourinho, as we know. We know he likes to break up play. And, and Guardiola uses Fernandinho a lot for the very same reason. But I don't think, again, this is where we need to be a bit more alas in our approach. You know, we should have been over to the referee. Giving them loads. What's going on here, F? You know, I'm not Rich Arson standing up giving the referee because It should have been the captain straight over to the referee addressing them respectfully. Thank you. Right. I said this when I was chatting to the Esk the other day on on his podcast about you know some people have said oh it really suits Everton because they haven't got the whinging um, Gladys Street crew um, and uh, uh, the negativity of a home game. Uh, you know the fans not being there might help them but we've done two decent performances at home so maybe there's something about that but what i would say is that when you're playing in an empty stadium it is totally incumbent upon the players to motivate themselves and get up for it and be annoyed if there's a an injustice they shouldn't need you know if those things had happened at goodison if those fouls had happened on richie uh, at Goodison, we'd have all been up. You know, it, it, it might have, you know, that, that infamous Philip Neville tackle on on, on Ronaldo. Uh, the players shouldn't need the fans to do that. They should be professional enough to actually get in the face of the officials and care enough about 
their reputation and their performances and the result that they're going to achieve and challenge referees' decisions. And there's not a single one of them last night who was prepared to do that, other arguably than maybe Seamus and Luca Dina, because uh, Richarlison was the one who was getting clobbered. And, and you know, that's that really, really disappoints me as a passionate fan, just like you, that the players don't seem, and it's it's laid so bare in this behind closed doors environment, there's no hiding place for them. And, and, and I think that's why Gary Neville was so spot on last night in calling out this absolute lack of passion from Sigurdsson. It was yeah. there for all to see. And... and do you, know, do you know who was quite good for that? James McCarthy. Yes, yes. He, he was he always over, up. yeah. Always over to the referee. I mean, I, I always like a, a British-based player, and, and people probably criticise me for this, but I think Everton have always had a, a good history of Scots. Um, and, you know, I think that they bring about some of what we're talking about, where... You're challenging the referee. You're making it known that you're not agreeing with the situation, and and we haven't got that gamemanship. We haven't got that leader, um, and I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge in the summer. Well, you talked about you talk about nationality. I don't really care whether they're what nationality they are, uh, 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 and but Thomas Graveson, he's been yeah. in the news this week, launching the new Hummel kit. Um, Timmy Cahill, you know. There's lads there from Australia and Denmark with no connection at all to the city of Liverpool or Everton Football Club, who between them showed more passion than any of these these current um, mercenaries uh, in our team. Um, I mean, to be fair to brands, you know, I've been critical about brands, and I, you know, I'm not a professional uh, football uh, director of football, or, or, or I don't have a network of scouts out there, and you might have thought that the signing of Fabian Delph and maybe the signing of JP Gbamin were the people that he wanted to boss that midfield and shake their fist and win a tackle. Gbamin, you know, had a poor injury record when we signed him. I know now that, you know, it's a different injury he's got, but Delph has spent most of his career on and off the treatment table. Um, you know, those, those two signings may have worked again, but they're both, they were both pretty significant gambles, you know, and, and I'd like to think, I'll throw one name at you now, and this will probably make most of the listeners turn off, but where were we when Danny Ings was available? Uh, well, where, where, where we were is I was walking down Caddisbrick Road telling the bobblers that I would sign Danny Ings and was, was told that we shouldn't. That's where mm. we were, wasn't it, Mitch? Because <laughs> he's one nasty guy and he'll throw a challenge in and he'll score you goals. Yeah, I didn't know that. enough. I think your dad agrees with me, actually, to be he, fair, Mitch. He, he mentioned that? him, yeah. He mentioned him a while ago. Um, I mean, What I mean by Danny Ings is he's he's a low-risk option. He might He'll get you 10 goals a season, yeah, for a third of what Moise Keane cost. Now, no, he's not going to become the next international striker and you're not going to be able to sell him on for £200 million. But in the short term, we need some stability. We need some uh, consistency. And, you know, players like Danny Ings, you could ask the question about players like James Madison. He was a bit of a gamble. Yuri Tielemans, he was a bit of a gamble. But 
you know, there are plenty of other clubs around us with less money to spend who've spent it better. And, and it's for that reason that I'm critical of Marcel Brands because there's Gomez who, again, a Barcelona um, reject is too hard a word, but, you know, he was let go by Barcelona. He couldn't quite be the, I think, the Iniesta that they wanted. But he's got a bit of a, uh, he's got a problem now coming back from that absolutely dreadful injury and, and he doesn't appear in the four or five games to to be back to the sharpness that he had before that injury and and, and there's no Delph and there's no Gabamin and, and we're left with a midfield of kind of Tom Davis and, and the ghost that is Sigurdsson that's that's just got to be addressed and and um, things haven't worked out well for, for Marcel Brands but when you're paid what he's paid and when you're on the board of the football club yeah. and your title is director of football you need to be responsible. And that, John Brain would always say, responsibility comes with accountability. Who is holding Marcel Brands to account? It's, it's a good point, mate. And I mean, I, I, I'm going to slightly go, not against you, but I'm, I'm going to just throw out a few challenges, maybe. On no, go for it. Go for it. Um, now, I do think you're right. I think certainly I was, I was discussing with, with the ESC earlier on today about the, you know he, he highlighted the, uh, the the issue of the centre midfielders and the injury records and, and that kind of thing and, uh, and what was clear is that Delph and Cabanon both had a checkered history of injuries yeah um, so buying two players in the same position potentially with, with, with you know with an injury history is always a risk um, you know and it's all about risk isn't it risk of reward and all that kind of stuff and I don't think he covered himself in glory there. We are signing players at an age that we don't expect them to hit the peak. So the likes of Moise Keane, Awobi, Mina, we're signing players now that we expect to two, three, four, five years to grow together to eventually hit the peak together. Uh, Luca Dinia, um, Bernard was slightly older, but you know we got him a good price. Um, a lot of them players have got developments in them potentially, you still need to do need to play, and I don't think that Marco Silva was the right man at that time to, to get what he needed to get out of them. Um, I do think Carlo Ancelotti needs time. It's about partnerships. Marcel, I, I think, needs a capable manager, um, and Marco Silva certainly wasn't that man. And I do think the, the squad possibly consists of bits of different squads. We've got bits of Moise's squad. We've got bits of Koeman's, um uh, Martinez's, um, you know, and uh, with the, the list rolls on. Um, the, the biggest challenge that Sil, uh, sorry, that, that Angelotti's got now is is putting that into a consistent approach, and, and he's got to decide who he takes on long term. Uh, and I think that obviously we are crippled by a lot of what needs to go out as opposed to what we buy in. Um, now, the other side of things is that that, that obviously Carlo Angelotti was recruiters knowing that he was going to have a director of football in charge. Yeah. Um, Brands also, PSV uh, AZ, were also four or five years in before he achieved success. And I'd argue that we're in a lot worse um, position financially than both of them clubs in terms of, of what we've done before. Um, if you ask Carlo Ancelotti, would he all of a sudden want to take charge of the academy? Have half an eye on, on five hundred fair play contracts, agents. I don't think he'd say yes because he, he's never had that as his past manager of career abroad. Um, 
So that's where I think we're at. And I don't think that Marcel Brands is immune to criticism. I think some of what you said is correct. And certainly the midfield issue, it, it, you know, he struck a bit of a gamble at times. But we, we have got to remember ages as well, Roger. And it's a challenge. I'm going to throw it back and, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it forthwith. I think um, Brands has been unlucky. I have to say that he's been unlucky with his signings. But I, I come back to the casino analogy, and you can see why every single one of Gabamin, of Delph, of Keane, Moyes Keane, of Alex Iwobi has failed. Um Kabamin failed because he hasn't actually been able to play a competitive game of football. That's a failure because, you know, Kabamin's wage is a four million quid a year and he's also taking nearly six million quid of amortisation. So there's only 10 million quid a carry to the PL for Kabamin and he hasn't played a first team game of football. And if I was, you know, if, if I was running a business and somebody was in charge of buying the assets and I've got an asset that's cost me 10 million quid that hasn't actually been able to lift a finger, I'd be pretty cross with the person, you know? Um, now, he has been unlucky, but he hasn't made many safe choices. And I, I just don't, in my mind, as, as purely a fan, as, as an observer of football, and British football, European football, um, I would trust Carlo Ancelotti more than I'd trust Marcel Brands. And both as a judge of a player both of the style of football. And I'm just, I'm just not, I know he's worked with directors of football at other clubs, but, 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 you know, Marcel Brands is a bit of a, you know, he's a director of football. He's a bit of an ego guy at one level. He's on the board, you know, I, the, 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 how do the politics play out between, between uh, Ancelotti and Brands? I, frankly, I don't know. Um, you'd like to think in a perfect world if we had had a season like Wolves or Leicester, um, that, that you could see a, a, a way in which a, a proven European world-class manager like Ancelotti would be grateful for the assistance of this global scouting network that, that um, Marcel Brands has. But I, I don't know. I, I suspect that there will be a showdown at some point and I would think, well, I would want Ancelotti to win. Uh, because I want Ancelotti to stay at Everton for as long as there's breath in his body, because he's absolutely professional, successful winner who won't take any shit from anyone. Um, I don't know. How do you see it playing out, boys, between those two? I'll send it over to you, Lee, and then we'll come back to Gordon in terms of a total score of how he's doing. Do you know what? I was, I was just enjoying listening to you yesterday. Um, I, I agree. Everything what, what you say... Um, I do. I agree. As long as try and keep Carlo here as long as possible, he's doing a great job. And so you get a few of his signs in. Um, yeah, just what Roger, just echo what Roger said. So if, if you had to look at what he's done so far, obviously June 2018, isn't it, that, that he joined? Um, so he's been in this job for just over two years now. Um, Roger, it's over to you. Um, you're scoring the fella, Roger Armstrong. Um, you tell me how Marcel Brands has done out of the ten, um, and give me a school review on him. Look, it's I, I, it's like asking someone who's never done brain surgery to 
judge a brain surgeon. I'm I'm not I'm not qualified, you know. I'm 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 just a gobby fan, and there are lots of us out there. Um, but what I see is is B minus at best, you know. I I don't. I look at his signings, and I'm thinking, Yerry Mina, mm, yeah. I mean, I like him. He's Colombian and he's tall and he looks like a fun and interesting guy to go and have a beer with. But would I trust him playing centre-back in an FA Cup final? Mm, probably not. Um, Luca Dina, mm, he's all right. He had a good first season. This season, a bit in and out. Has got a great dead ball on him, but he's a poor man's Leighton Baines. Why does he still live in Paris? Why, doesn't, why hasn't he kind of moved properly and full-time because I, I get the sense with Luca Dean he's got all the talent in the world but we don't have his full attention um, and maybe there's I know he's had personal problems and that would be insensitive to highlight them um, Gabamin miss because he's not really had a chance but he's still a miss Moise Keane is a miss um, Alex Iwobi I mean I'm sorry bloody hell <laughs> I never rated him when he played at Arsenal and God almighty, I haven't changed my mind. I think he's terrible. I don't know what... I was told he was bought as a winger. I mean, I don't... Where does Alex Iwobi play? I, I think he's hopeless. I think he's a bang average player who's in a middle to bottom half uh, Premier League club, which sadly is is what we are. So there you go. Um, uh, uh, and then, you know, Fabian Delph. Really? Didn't work out. So more misses than hits. I'm sorry, they are. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry if that upsets people, but those are the facts. I think Nathan Holgate and Dominic Calvert-Lewin have saved Marcel Brand's job this season. And I think both of those players, along with Michael Keane, are the three who have improved under Carlo Ancelotti. Um, and that gives me a grain of hope. Fair enough, but you've, you've got to put your flag in the ground, mate, and, and that's what it's about, and... Football's a game of opinion, so if we don't have opinions, what's the point in it? Um, um, so, uh, Lee, over to you. I agree, mate. And, and the other one, Richarlison, I think he only come because of silver. Of course he did. You know, so uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't really say he, he, he brought him here, can you? It was, I think that was more to do with silver. So, again, I agree. He's more, more misses than hits. Um, the one I was a bit gutted about was Zuma. I thought we could have got Zuma. Or I would have liked us to assign Zuma. Um, but it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, no, again, I agree with what Roger says. You sit on you'll the fence too much here, mate. Roger's going to have you as his co host on his podcast at this rate. <laughs> it's great sitting back and listening. <laughs> um, I'm going to be. Um, I'm, I'm, well, you know, I like to be controversial with Joel Sam, but um, I, I'm not going to give him an A. I'm not going to give him a B minus. I'd probably strike him as a B. I would say that we've discussed already what he's done with, with Keane and Holgate. Uh, their performances have gone up. I do think that Mina hasn't had as many games since he's come in as, as, as he probably needs to, to feel that development. I do think. Um, you need a director of football and a strong manager. So I think we've we've had basically um, quality streets and dairy milk working together. We've now got quality streets and roses, two, two premium brands at Christmas, and we haven't got the one ninety nine chocolates working underneath them. 
Martin <laughs> ultimately will have a better chance now of uh, you know of bringing in better players because he's got someone that, that's at the same level as him in Carlo Ancelotti. Um, I think also that the players that he does bring, that Carlo Ancelotti will be able to develop them, how they should be developed. Um, let's put in mind that he has only been here since just after Christmas. Um, so, you know, he has already shown improvements. Keane, his best game probably was Newcastle post-Ancelotti. Uh, I do think he needs a full pre-season with some of these lads. Uh, I do think Keane, Mina... Awobi needs a chance to actually know where... Roger raises a good point, actually. Where does he play? That That's an issue that needs to be addressed. Where does he play? Because we've signed players from different formations, different managers. Um, you know, and I, I do think we do need to give some of these lads time. The problem is we've been that shite for many years. The patience wears thin as a blue. And you're, you're right. Sorry, can I just jump in? I thought I was rating Marcel Brands, not... Carlo. Well, yeah, and that, that, that was my point that, that that Marcel Brands isn't the same without Carlo Ancelotti. Well, I don't think Marcel Brands is anywhere near the level of Carlo Ancelotti. And if you're asking me to rate to rate Carlo, uh, I would give Carlo a, an A minus because I think he's got results that we would never have got with any other manager. I think he's got a tune out of a mouldy old set of bagpipes that no one else could get. And yes, we've had some poor performances Chelsea away and last night was really, really disappointing. But I think he's improved certain players, as I said. When I gave the B-, minus, I was giving that to Marcel Brands before anybody yeah. jumps on me and thinks I was giving that to Carlo. No, so. It's definitely worth clarifying, mate. I, I was more saying that I think that Marcel Brands can be ultimately more productive having a Carlo Ancelotti in terms of pull. Yes, I think, he's, I think Carlo, it, it provided the players that he signs are able to play football consistently and aren't injured, um, then you would like to think that the signings that Marcel Brands makes, um, Carlo Ancelotti can improve through his coaching and his tactical nows, without question. Yeah, uh, it's... Um, I, I, I mean, even through the Freevers, obviously it's different levels of, of rating, but I think what is clear is that we do need to do better. You know, Everton can't be treading water. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, off the field were great, but on the field, we need to be winning trophies. The, 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 you know, the, there's no question marks about it, is there? Well, I think we need to compete first. I mean, let's not get carried away. Um, the only trophy I think we're capable of winning in the short term is the League Cup, um, uh, because the draw will screw us every time in the FA Cup. But if those European teams are out of the League Cup, then we might have a chance. Uh, if that might see us in European competition, then we could get to the latter mm -hmm. stages. But I want us to be competitive, and I'm just sick and tired of being embarrassed. Um, and, and it's the hope that gets you always with Everton. But I was just so embarrassed last night. I mean, that performance against one of the worst Tottenham teams they've had for the last 10 years, and we still couldn't break the jinx in, a, in an empty stadium. It was barely an away match, you know. There was no pressure. And to a man... Apart from Richarlison, Seamus and Holgate, I think they were shit. And a few of them should hang their heads in shame. What you were saying there, you know, obviously it does ring nowhere near as competitive as we should be uh, against that top six. The thing that probably does go in our favour the next few games, Southampton, Wolves, Villa, um, 
Sheffield United, Bournemouth. Um, we, we need to be picking up points there. And I think the excuses run out, don't they? The Danny Ings will score on Thursday. <laughs> you know you know what? I'm just glad that Che Adams hadn't scored all season. And he scored that was the other day. That's been the high, apart from the getting a draw in the derby, which is a bit sad. That goal that Adams scored was, you know, I thought it was brilliant. And then that it was pre-planned, you know, they were going to lob. The, there's such an arrogance about that pet Manchester City team, which can sometimes be positive. But, you know, the keeper thinking he can just stand outside his penalty area like that and, and, and to lob him and have the ability to execute it, I thought was fantastic. Um, and all power to Southampton for that. Their manager knows what he's doing, you know. They lost 9-0 at home um, earlier in the season and then they just beat Man City. That's the kind of improvement you expect and maybe Carlo can do that for us, eh? Uh, I, I was about to say his name, but Roger, I'll let you say his name. What's Southampton manager's name? Um, it's a <laughs> nice one. <laughs> On my um, third bottle of Moretti, um, I think it's Hassan Hootle. <laughs> you, you nailed it, Hassan. Yeah, are available. <laughs> Mitch knows it'll get more and more off with the more wine I drink. Hassan. <laughs> um, but you know he, he's no mug, is he? It's going to be a hard game. Uh, Southampton play four four two. Obviously, you've mentioned Ings already, an ex-red uh, Armstrong. I've always rated more prowess in terms of football ability and the set piece is good. Um, obviously, we're getting towards the end of the podcast. We'll rush this through. But would would you make any major changes? And uh, I'm going to go to, to either of you, but Mitch first. Who would you bring in? Uh, Gordon for a start. I think Gordon has to start. Um, I think, do you think Mina might start for Holgate if he hasn't Got rid of the knock. Um, apart from that, I don't know, maybe Bernard, give Bernard a go. Maybe freshen it up, a couple of changes, because yeah. it weren't good enough last night. And I don't know, maybe get some fresh legs in there. Roger? Um, yeah, I think we need it. There needs to be some freshness in there. Um, it's a shame we haven't got a substitute keeper of any note because I'd give Pickford a rest. I've had enough of his nonsense yeah. coming out for crosses and missing them and dropping them and letting the ball through his hands. I think he needs um, he needs a stiff talking to. Um, I would um, I wouldn't have Gilfie Sigurdsson anywhere near the squad, obviously, but maybe he'd have to sit on the bench. Um, there's so little um, resource that you could bring in. I think you could start, perhaps you could play 4-3-3 against Southampton. Maybe you could play Gordon, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin up top. And maybe you could put Davis, Gomez and, I mean, Pivote will probably be screaming at his phone or whatever he's, however he's listening to this. Davis, um, uh, I suppose you're going to have to play Iwobi then, aren't you, if you played... Um, who else could you have in midfield? Um, if you play Tom Davis, Gomez and Iwobi, well, why not? And maybe maybe Gordon and Iwobi could interchange a bit. Um, I, I think I don't think Mason will make it. I think his uh, injury probably will see him miss out. That's all right. So Yeri can come in and play alongside uh, Michael Keane. 
no problem with with that as a pairing. No problem with Dina at left back, and and I'd keep Seamus all day long. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. I'd try four three three and see what happens. I wouldn't disagree, mate. Uh, I think the back four has been relatively consistent. Only Everton can see the two goals we can see in the last couple of games where we kicked it against Iniacho's chest and it's gone in. And then, you know, obviously there's been the own goal against Keane's chest as well that's gone in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, uh, relatively, we have constricted both teams with chances. The back four has actually been all right. Uh, Holgate uh, obviously may, may, may miss out. If he's fit, I, I would be tempted to move him into midfield like we did against Old Trafford's. Against United's, um, good, just good a fully fit, yeah. I could see him doing a job sitting in in front of the back four, yeah. Simply because we just haven't got anyone to do that at the moment, and and I'm not convinced that Gomez next to anyone can do that, you know. And Gilfie Gomez, all them type of players, I don't think they, they, they can add that presence. Um, two players that I hope that actually come back that I never thought I'd say this would be Fabian Delph and Walcott. Um, both of them have been slagging off probably 12 months ago. But Put down the line. The yeah, yeah, at the moment. So I just think we just need uh, a bit of freshness in there, however we do it. I'm always keen, I think, now. I just start him for the next three games. Um, you know, whether that's moving a Charles or not to the right or the left, whichever way we do it, uh, I, I think you, you just need to give him a run of games, just sort of a bit difference. I think that's a good point. Yeah, we could. So we could put we could put Anthony Gordon. We could have a midfield three of Gomez, Davis, and uh, Gordon, and up front we could have a front three of um, Keane, Richarlison, and Calvert Lewin. Uh, you know why not? For God's sake, we have got nothing to lose. We're not going down. Let's see if we can find a way of getting. The problem is with Calvert-Lewin that there's so much pressure on him, hold the ball up, plays a traditional number nine, and Richarlison isn't an ideal strike partner in that sort of 4-4-2 that Carlo kind of likes. So maybe you could almost go 4-3-2-1 with Richarlison and Keane playing off Calvert-Lewin, but closer to him, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's... I, I like you say, why not? You know, it's, it's unlikely Europe now. It's, you know... It, it, was likely we, we not none of us would have expected a pre Carlo. Since Carlo's come in, we may have been expecting a pre top one. Uh, but what have we got to lose? Let's let's go for it. Let's play the players that you know that are in the background like Moise Keane uh, and have a go at the game. Uh, right. Thank you very much, Roger. Uh, and thank you very much, Mitch. Uh, as always, um I'm sure we could chat Everton all night. Um uh, just a quick question, Stevie online is always um, highlighting you out as, as the man to really pinpoint Usmanov as coming in. Who um, me? Yeah, yeah. He always says really? he always says you you're the sensible one on uh, business matters. Yeah. So <laughs> I just wanted to know, uh, Usmanov, what's going on with Usmanov? Is he is he in or is he out? Look, I, like I said, I, I'm not qualified, really. I'm just a fan. I'm not qualified to comment on Marcel Brands, and I'm certainly not qualified to, to comment on Usmanov. I doff my hat to the ESC, who knows more about business than, than, than I will ever know, um, and, and more about international affairs. So he's always been very firmly in the no camp. But instinctively... 
And it's only a gut instinct, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Instinctively, I think Usmanov has a part to play at Everton. I think it's the only way that the stadium will be built is with his money. Quite how it's done, quite how it's structured, how creatively it's put together, don't know. But I think uh, he has a part to play. I don't think Mashiri has the commercial nous that people would like him to have because he's a finance man. He's not a leader. He's not an entrepreneur. Usmanov is that man. Um, so I just sense that Usmanov is operating there in the background. Uh, whether I'm comfortable with it or not um, isn't really an issue um, because there are, uh, there are many different views on him as a person and whether he's a fit and proper or whatever. But he's a bloody rich man and it never quite happened to Arsenal and he's been a hugely successful businessman and Everton is still a club of huge potential. And so for that reason, with absolutely no in-the-know knowledge, I suspect that Usmanov is involved. Um, and I fucking hope he is because we need his money. Sorry. <laughs> we absolutely do because we've absolutely blown hundreds of millions of pounds on some very, very poor footballers. Thank you very much, Roger. And Steve, if you're listening... Usmanov might still be there in the backgrounds. Nice one, Roger. Thank you, boys. Really enjoyed it. Up the toffees, and uh, I'll hopefully chat to you again soon. Cheers, mate. Right. Bye, all.